Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. So today we are uh, beginning the the third in the series on uh, our Thinking Church uh, series. Uh, We talked about endings um, because we want you to be in the Church of Seven Run um, without the the bad from the past corrupting the present. We talked about beginnings, that for beginnings to happen, you have to turn the page and end some things. Um, And now we're going to talk about how to thrive in the present. And so I just want to remind you that you are here. Wow, Pastor Drew, that's a, a genius insight. No, you're here. Maryland is a place between. It's a place uh, often for many people, not for everybody. There's some of you uh, native Marylanders here. How many of you all are? All right. All right. They're representing. No, you're not alone. One more time. One more time. All right. So as you can look around, you can see. And so we thank you for letting us share your great state. We, we appreciate that. But for many people, it's like it's a place between. I'm from someplace, I'm heading to someplace. And, and even in the military mix, um, again, it's easy to say, well, I'm only going to be here, fill in the blank. You are here. Be here. Live here. Thrive here. Grow here. Get to know God here. Make the most of your life here. Don't let this be wasted time. It's only today, right? And that's all there is. And so if you're waiting for tomorrow to start living and growing, then you'll never start and you will, miss the, you will miss the joy of your creation, your purpose. So we're going to talk today about being church and how to thrive. And I want to remind you what the church is, not a building, um, it is a body. And 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 27 declares, now you are the body of Christ, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. So we're, we're trying to think church because we don't. We don't think church, really. Um, we think other things are way more important. We think church is something that, that we kind of do on Sunday, sort of kind of tipping God on the edges of a busy schedule. Um, we think that our jobs and other things are more important than what we do um, as the body of Christ. And again, the body of Christ is seven days a week. I, wanna, I want us to rethink that. I want you to challenge your thinking. A, a, at least, okay, people at least think from Scripture, not from culture. Huge difference, okay? Go to the Word of God. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you, to reveal to you what is here, and think from this, not merely from your past, not merely from your, your history uh, or your past story. Because you see, the truth is that we, um, we live in a different economy. Uh, many of you all have visited other parts of the world. And, and while it's true that, you know, you can use a Benjamin in a lot of places in the world, uh, I have been surprised on many occasions where I pulled out my currency and they said, that's no good here. <clears throat> oh, you got to exchange the currency. The currency of the kingdom is different than the currency of the world. In value, prestige, honor, uh, meaning, it's all different. And, and what has happened uh, is that the currency of the world has been mixed with the currency of the kingdom in the church. And we've got to separate that out. 
So, as we think church, we might not think that church is that important in my life, that it shouldn't be that big a part of my life. I am busy. And what is most important is the economy, is my economy, how much I'm earning, how much I'm buying, how much I'm saving, uh, how I'm doing in progressing. And, and those things are the currency of the world. They're not eternal. They're not the currency of the king or his kingdom. And so when we believe a part of what we're doing is thinking differently about the currency of our lives and, and how we want to spend our lives and what we want to spend our lives on, and when you begin to recontextualize your life, rethink your life, not just as something that's in time for a few years, but in the scope of eternity, then it kind of places a different light and interpretation on the spiritual on the eternal, on the God side of things. You've heard me say many, many times, the church is the hope of the world, right? If you've been here, you've heard it. Well, if you are the church, and the church is the hope of the world, then you are the hope of the world. And so, you need to rethink your role in the world. Now, again, the currency of of this world, the prince of the air, the scripture describes Satan as, the air that we breathe. When you, when, when you hear somebody like me say something like that, you're going to have to be very careful to, to separate your currencies. Because when I say you're the hope of the world, you're going to think, oh, exaggeration, because I'm not in the spotlight. Oh, exaggeration, because not everybody knows my name. Because I'm not famous. Therefore, what Pastor Drew is saying is not true. You're mixing currencies. You are famous in God's eyes. Ladies, I want to ask you a question. Have any of y'all ever had an ugly baby? Somebody else may have had an ugly baby. But you have... I'm, I'm serious. As a man, especially when I was young, I can remember thinking quietly to myself, I did not open my mouth wisely. That is an ugly child, you know. I was wrong. You have never had an ugly child. Because your child is, is yours. And, and it has all the worth of life. It's an infinite worth. And you are God's children. And so your worth is not found in the currency of the world, but in the currency of the kingdom. So when I say something like, you are the hope of the world, you need to think kingdom. You need to think eternal. You need to think scripture, not a Christian cult of celebrity. Nobody may ever know your name. But if all of heaven knows your name, and if hell fears your faith, what do you care about the rest of the world? Jesus was a divine nobody. In humility, he left the glory as the centerpiece of heaven, was born a nobody in a backwater Roman province without title or possession or anything else. But he knew his value and the value of his purpose. In fact, one way to interpret or look at his life is his whole life people were trying to hand him another purpose, another vision, another way of thinking about life, and Jesus wouldn't have it. Because he wasn't going to mix the currency of this world and the currency of the kingdom. Let's rethink church. 
The old way of being church is that some paid guy gets up here to hurl words at you, and, uh, and then the staff, they're the ones who are supposed to do ministry, and then we're, the rest of us, we're just a bunch of peons um, who don't do anything uh, unless we mix the currency of the world in, and then we start arguing about how we should control stuff that other people are doing. That's time-honored. In the Bible, we discover we are the body of Christ led by the mind of Christ, to do the work of Christ in the world. In John 20, 21, Jesus elevates us and our role uh, to the equivalence of him and his role. Peace be with you, Jesus said. As the Father has sent me, with the same heart and intent, the same belief and passion, the same hope and empowerment, as the Father has sent me, I have sent you. Not the big name people, Not the people with other talents. I have sent you. You are the hope of the world. Being the body of Christ should be the most important thing in your life. Not a Sunday morning show, but a seven day a week living of Jesus. Remember we say that? Love well, live. A little weak. Live. By the way, pause. Pastor John at the end. Is gonna is gonna do the announcements, and he was joking with somebody else about getting the love well, you know, you know, uh, wrong, and and he has gotten it right. So just watch and see how he does at the end of the service, okay? And applaud him afterwards, okay? We talk about this all the time. To live Jesus is to be the body, controlled by the mind of Christ, believing that I have a purpose that is bigger than my income. I have a purpose that's bigger than, than my notoriety and my fame. I have a purpose um, as the body of Christ to be the hope of the world to somebody somewhere in Jesus' name. So I want to start and tell you how to thrive in the church in three ways, right? I'm breaking the molds in, in my, my preaching style. I'm going to give you three ways to, to do that. And, um, and, and the first one, I got to say, is very, very simple, but please do not confuse. Actually, they're all simple. Don't confuse simple with easy. A marathon is simple, right? Intellectually, conceptually, it isn't hard to figure out how to do a marathon. What do you do? You put one foot in front of the other, run for 26.2 miles, hard. So easy to grasp, hard to do. Same with most of Scripture, actually. The first thing we have to do to thrive in being the church is to serve your Savior. And I want to remind you, you were saved to serve. Say this with me. Saved people serve people. Saved people people become the difference in a broken world. And through selfless service, they they reveal um, a Jesus that shows a different currency at work in their life. The currency of this world is self-interest. What's in it for me? Um, But in the kingdom, we love selflessly, so people say, why are they doing that? And the answer is Jesus. But but I, I begin this with saying, serve your Savior. And the challenge with that is some of us don't have a savior. And there's a whole lot of people in this thing culturally called church who have no savior. I want to remind you what it means to be saved. To be saved means to to realize you are desperately lost and you let yourself be rescued by the love of God. It has a beginning, it's transforming, and and it never finishes until you're you're in heaven. But but you don't negotiate with, with a savior. Imagine being swept out to, to, you know, in a riptide in Ocean City. 
And it, you are far out from land, and you are, you are going down. And, and several times, now you're miles offshore, you have gone underwater, and, and, and you can see the light above, and you're so tired, so exhausted, you, you swim to the top, you get one more a lungful of air amidst the lungfuls of water, but, but it is, it is going to be over soon. And then you see the Coast Guard um, helicopter coming your way. Now... Oh my gosh, that experience of I'm going to die, but through that I'm going to live, that is salvation. Nothing less. This is, not, this is not a little easing into being good enough for God. It's nothing. There's no negotiating here. You know, that basket drops. There isn't anybody who's looking and saying, well, you know what? I'm afraid of heights. And uh, I really also, the design of your uniform isn't my personal color palette preference. So... You go change that, and then we'll talk. Nobody says that. Look, I might be afraid of heights. I might be terrified of flying in a helicopter. I don't care. You tell me what to do, and lift me out of this. I want to live. That is salvation. Do you have a Savior? Are you saved? Because saved people serve people. This is the way it works. And so if you want to fit in in a church, and I'm not saying fit in in terms of being acceptable. I want to say if you want to thrive in a church, you must serve. That's, that's simply the way it works. In John 13, verses 12 through 17, last night of Jesus' life, right? Last night, this is the last lesson that Jesus will ever teach them um, kind, of, kind of verbally. The other lessons he's going to teach them is through his actions on the cross as they're scattered. This is the last verbal teaching, and Jesus um, washes their feet. Now, this was something often that wasn't done, um, you know, because, like, if you were super poor, and again, remember, you had a dirt floor, right? You're walking on dirt streets where there is no sewage, and people, well, you get it, and... Um, and, and, and you're wearing sandals and you come into a place that has a dirt floor. And, but, but if you had any money or any, um, you know, any, any servants, then the servant's job would be to, to take the dirt off your body and, and let you be clean. You know? and, and so the disciples are there for the Last Supper. Nobody's washed their feet. After the dinner... Uh, Jesus takes off his robe in a, a humbling and a humiliating way, so much so that Peter says, I'm not going to have any part of this. This is inappropriate. He's thinking differently. And Jesus washes each of the disciples' feet, stuns them, because he shouldn't be doing this. This is not the way things work in the economy of this religious world. But Jesus is introducing the economy of the kingdom. And then he says in verse 14, so if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set for you an example so that you should do as I have done for you. Now, again, you can get caught up in the literal and, and you can miss the, the, the point of the story. The point of the story is to be literally true, interpreted, and applied in a billion different ways throughout all time and eternity until Jesus comes again. What does it mean to wash somebody's feet? What's the need? 
What is, what is uh, a way of loving that um, other people are too proud to do? Or, or, you know, maybe this person is a person that nobody really notices and talks to. Um, maybe they're socially awkward. Maybe they talk so much that nobody wants to be around them. And so, so you want to avoid them too because you know if you go near them, you're going to be trapped in a conversation that's going to take 20 minutes. You ever been there? They are the beloved of God. And to wash their feet in that moment might be just simply to sit and listen without thinking about what you're going to say next or anything else, but just simply to sit and listen in love to the value of their heart. But however it is applied in a million different ways, uh, Jesus said, you should also wash one another's feet. This does not mean we need to pour H2O on, on the lowest you know, um, extremities of other people's bodies. It, it, it means figure out what it means. It means that Jesus has set an example that we must do in community. Truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, uh, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent them. And if you know these things, you will be blessed. You will thrive if you do them. So knowing stuff we don't do is not the path to thriving in the body of Christ. We're, most of us, educated way beyond our obedience. And it's time to simply get back to the, to the basics of what we know Jesus said and start doing it. And in that humility, we will thrive. If we are saved, we serve our Savior. And, and here's the messiness of that. You know, the, the inside joke among, you'll hear pastors and other people say from time to time, you know, church would be great if it wasn't for the people. You know, of course, it, that, that is the beauty of it, right? That's the, the mess of the mix is we are, we are the mess. A beautiful mess for God. And, and serving my Savior, some of you want to be just, just like this. And that is, that's the beginning of everything is just time with Jesus. Abide with it. We're going to talk about that. But here's the deal. You can't serve your Savior without serving people. You can't. I want to make sure everybody is hearing me. You cannot serve your perfect Savior without serving imperfect people. You can't love the perfect Son of God, King of kings and Lord of lords, without loving very broken, annoying, irritating people, even people that you might be attempted to call a jerk. It's funny, and we're going to talk about this in Matthew 25. It's funny how... How you treat them becomes how you treat Jesus. It's all tied in the economy of the kingdom. Remember, it is all for you, but it's not all about you. And if you've been wounded in some past church, and, uh, and you come into the church of Seven Run, and you're waiting for somebody to do something for you, stop waiting. All right? Start serving. Some form, some fashion, start serving. The issue is Jesus and nothing less. Make a difference somewhere doing something so that your selflessness reveals Jesus. And I'm talking about as the church gathered and as the church scattered. We're not, we're not here just for the Sunday, you know, this is not a show, this is worship. We're not here just for a Sunday show. We're here to, to be church uh, gathered and then to, to, to do church scattered. See a need, meet a need, big or small, for Jesus. And that's Matthew 25, 40. Very truly, I, I tell you, the king will say, uh, whatever you did for one of the least of these, 
You did it for me. I noticed. I was watching. You didn't think anybody noticed. I was there in the middle of it. I was calling you forward. My spirit was, was urging you on towards the light and, and to, to see my love for this person. And you moved towards them. And, and you didn't just move towards them. You moved towards me. See a need? Meet a need. Somewhere doing something that, that reveals the love of Jesus. Secondly, I want to introduce you to a theology of interest, okay? Uh, and I want you to think church. Now, now, in this sense, I don't want you just to think church. I want you to think church. Got it? I want you to think. Let's think about this. We are secondly to look out for Jesus' interest in the lives of others. Because a part of being saved is recognizing God is interested in me infinitely and eternally and wonderfully. And God, I, I accept your interest. And now, as saved people who serve people, we become interested in other people. Our uh, needs and, and significance has been met by God, and we are free. Uh, imagine you guys are in the military, and you're, you're carrying a rucksack. You're carrying, you know, 150 pounds on your back on a long march. You're going to be a lot freer to help uh, somebody around you if, if somebody has lifted that, that pack off your back. That's what Jesus has done. I'll take care of you. Uh, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You don't have to do this on your own. You're hurting for love. I will love you, and, and I will meet those needs. You don't have to, to go around you know, being desperate and compromising yourself to get the love of some man or some woman. I will be the love of your life. Now you're free. With your needs met, you're free to look after the needs and interests of others. So, so how should it be in the church? Well, that's, that's easy to say, right? And you know, how, how, here's, here's how it should be in the church. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. And it doesn't mean that, that you, you, know, you have a poor self-image. No, you know who you are in Jesus. It's settled. Your significance is settled, Right? So, so now um, you have a humility that values others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each to the interest of, of others. This is how the body of Christ works. This is how Christian community works. This is how the body of Christ works uh, outside in the, the, the world community. We look out for the interest of others. And in your relationships with one another, you have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. So the world in its economy has a way of valuing people, judging people, dismissing people based on looks, uh, a billion different things. We dehumanize other people. Um, you know, find reasons why they're different from us. But, but sharing the mind of Christ, <laughs> we don't think with the world's um, value system or currency anymore. We have a new currency and the currency is the, the thoughts of God. That's how it should be. How is it? So that's, that's Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Now we skip a few verses down to verse 21. And here's how it is most of the time in most of the way churches choose to be. 
For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. It's just sad. It's, it's just wrong. It's just unsaved and very, very human. The heart of our faith is that God is, is good and looking out for our interests at all times, in all things, better than we ever could. And that's the promise of Romans 8, that in all things, God is working for good. I have a running disagreement with God about this all the time, right? Um, you know, you really can't be changed by anything you already agree with. You know, it's the stuff you, you disagree with that has the power to change you. And, and you can mouth the words, oh, yes, I believe that. Do you really? Take the hardest thing in your life, and is that a source of gratitude for you? If it's not yet, then, then you've still got a journey to make to, to believe that God is beautifully working for your creative good in that hard thing. And the freedom to serve others means being rooted and established in the reality that God has beautifully served me and is every day. And I wake up in the morning and my father loves me. I'm not an ugly baby. <laughs> You're God's well-loved child. And he dotes on you and delights in you. Some of us were raised, some of you here were raised in, in, in ways where you were not nurtured. There's a word that sounds soft, but it is, it, it, it is, it is a leadership word. It is an everything word. It is about bringing out the good and the great and the true from, from inside of. And some of you who did not experience that nurture find it very hard to truly believe that God smiles at you and that he cares about you and that, that he wakes up in the morning and, 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 and it's a good thing that you're in the world. But you need to believe that God is good and you are loved and that this salvation that has come through Jesus Christ is all-encompassing. It's bigger than life. It's bigger than death. It's bigger than your feelings. It's bigger than your problems. It's bigger than the economy. It's bigger than your debt. Um, it's bigger than, than your job. It's bigger than any purpose that you would self-create because you are not the creator. And being the church and thriving as the church means that you let the creator create you as he did Christ. And you let the creator send you as he did Christ. And it is just a joyful, fun thing to live looking for the interest of Jesus and others. Jesus, what are, you, what are you creatively doing in this person's life? Where are you at work? How can I cooperate with that? Sometimes, where is this person hurting and, and how, can I, how can I just be present and, and love in that, focused on them? Not, not, not you know, hearing them speak words while I'm thinking about what I'm gonna say next. No, Jesus where would you touch this wound and how can I be your hand? Where would you bind up this pain and how, how, can, I, how can I let you use me to do that? Lastly, easily said, hard to do, takes great faith, but if you want to thrive in a church, here's what you got to do. You gotta take your created place in the body of Christ. You gotta believe that the body of Christ 
It's not an abstraction that is, again, unimportant or irrelevant. You've got to believe that Christ coming into the world is the most significant thing that's ever happened in human history. You've got to remember how lost and broken you were when you were writing your own story. You've got to, to look back and to see that everyone who ever trusted God finished well. You've got to look forward and see the joy of heaven and, and the victory of love. In the end, love wins if we let it. And then you got to contextualize your own life in the midst of all of that, and you got to decide what's important and what currency am I going to spend my life on? Am I going to invest my life in this world, uh, searching for what it searches for and, 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 and hurting its unmet needs when there's a Savior who's promised to meet all needs? And then you begin in believing to choose to take your place, to think in the economy of the kingdom, and you take your place in Christ's body. Let Jesus express himself beautifully through you, how he wants to, trusting his wisdom over your wishes. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are the poema, the masterpiece of God, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared beforehand for us to do. You're not an accident. Uh, it's crazy how we miss this part. First Corinthians 12, 18 is, is a new way of thinking about your life and your value and your purpose in the, the grand story of God in the world. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. First Corinthians 12, 18. We look at ourselves, and, and based on the economy of the world, we, we use the world's economy to, to evaluate ourselves, to determine our value. Well, I'm not pretty, or I'm not handsome. I'm not talented. I don't have this. I look like this. I struggle with weight all my life. Or, you know, uh, you know on my hand, you know, yes, it's true that, that, that I have been skinny, but I, I got to tell you... Do you know how, like, fun it is to hear 3,000 people tell you that, that you're like a stick all your life? And we try to, to find our worth not in the Savior who saves, but in the, the judges who judge. <laughs> and it's not the kingdom. And then when we become, quote, this cultural thing called church where there's this mix of, of earth and heaven, it becomes kind of even crazier still in all of that. And we want other people's spiritual giftedness. You know, like, like I want a pastor say, well, I want to I sing like Patrice, except I don't want to sing like Patrice because that sounds really weird coming out of a man's body. <laughs> but let me tell you, if I was a woman, I would want to sing like Patrice. How many of y'all have tried a musical instrument and failed miserably like me? I mean, it's just not there. My brother's a great guitarist. Uh, I picked up a guitar and, and, and practiced. I took lessons for several years. It wasn't there. Okay. And we're always wanting other people's giftedness, and we're always, we're always minimizing our own giftedness. And that's just, that's just nine ways of, of crazy. You are the body of Christ. You are the hope of the world. There is no plan B. You are no less important than people on the stage. You are the purpose of people on the stage. And the purpose of people on the stage is not that you notice them, but that you hear Jesus. 
You are God's first and frontline um, representation of the beauty and the glory of his son. You are to convey that in your salvation, the mirror of your salvation, the, the beauty of what love can do, what it looks like, and, and your faith to be who God made you to be, not envying somebody else's gift. It's, this, is, this is what the church is. Your difference is God's purpose. Your, your paralysis is God's pain. Your, your uniqueness is his plan. God planned you to be like he made you. So become who you are in Christ. That's the will of God. And, and stop thinking that when you are there living joyfully under the full gaze of heaven that the world is going to notice. It isn't. Look what the world did to the Son of God. Look how they noticed the, 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 the beauty of heaven and the power of God's love. Look how they responded to that. Stop expecting human celebrity and, and accolade when you're serving your Savior. It's, that's this economy. It's a screwed up, mixed up, backwards, upside down economy. It's not God's. No one may ever know your name, but God so knows your name and celebrates it with every sunrise that when you die, he is going to give you a new name that all along has been just his unique description of, of how he's uniquely loved you among the millions. That's enough. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7, um, the, the scripture says this, just as a body, though one has many parts, and all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. There's no difference. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Paul's really trying to make the point. Um, and and that's, that's the will of God. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Don't let, don't let Satan infect you with a bad attitude towards church. Don't let Satan infect you with, with dumbed down worldly ideas about church. Don't let Satan... Uh, lead you to forfeit the possibilities of the, of, of the present based on some past wounding in, 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 in church. Don't dare um, settle for a dumbed down idea of church that is critical, negative, judgmental, or do nothing. The churches have spirits, and there, there are different spirits in different churches. I talked to one pastor, and he said, you know, my church has just become so critical, <laughs> And, and literally, I was there with him in an event, and I met two of his members, and in a very passive, aggressive way, I wasn't with him five minutes before they were criticizing some of the things done around me. Man, that's a spirit. So, so don't think that you were called to judge or give your opinion. Your opinion doesn't matter. The mind of Christ matters. My opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> So what I'm saying is, in the kingdom of God, we have the mind of Christ and we live as the body of Christ. In, in the brokenness of the world, bodies can be broken. And it happened even here in, in the first century. Um, even in, in the first century, in 1 Corinthians 12, 15, we start seeing bad ideas, bad thinking about the church and, and bad attitudes in, per, permeating the church and, and starting to hinder the work. Now, 
If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason start being a part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. Do you, do you get the bad attitudes? This means yes, this means no. Listen, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. That's crazy making. And it's an example of, of how in a broken world the body goes bad. We all know this in our own physical bodies, right? There's so many things that can go wrong. Each of y'all probably could, could stand around and, and tell us some of your aches and pains and the hurts and the things that are going on, right? Think about an autoimmune disease, a way the body goes wrong. What's supposed to protect the body turns on it and starts tearing it down. Cancer. My own cells trying to kill me. That's the way cancer works. That's crazy. Should be something from the outside trying to kill me, not from some, something from the inside, right? But that's what happens when the body is, is infected with the broken of the world. And it, it is not just true of the physical body. It also happens in the church in terms of ideas and attitudes and ways of being and cultures. I, I remember one, one couple who came into the church and I loved them. They were wonderful people. And I ate at their house, and we were becoming friends, and, and I was just so impressed by the depth of their spirituality, um, um, and, and we were at that time in one of the schools that we were worshiping at, and, um, and that school had new furniture, and they didn't want us to use uh, grape juice on their chairs, so we switched to white grape juice, right? Because white grape juice isn't going to leave a big purple stain. I'm just telling you, you would have thought that we had just blasphemed Jesus Christ. You can't do that. It's not the blood of Christ. Uh, Ma'am, two things here. Number one, it's not wine even. And even if it was wine, it would have been bought at a store and it would not have been the literal blood of Christ. Number two, those crackers, those were bought at a store too. It's not what they are, it's what it means. You can't do that, it's, that's just, it's... And so a bad idea about church um, ended up in brokenness. And, and this, this couple, they hadn't even, I can't even say they left the church because they hadn't even joined yet. They just boomeranged right on out. <laughs> and oh my gosh, churches are riven with this kind of garbage all these divisions and opinions and, and who should rule and who should decide. Uh, listen, when you're asking who's in charge, you've forgotten the question that matters. What's the mission? And most of you have become, come from churches that, that were not thinking healthily from the, from the scriptures about the purpose of the church. The issue is Jesus. Nothing else matters. There's all different kinds of right ways you can do things. Okay, um, I want to get to the back. I, I, you know, some of you will argue, this is the only aisle you should use. Why? Because it's the one nearest me and I use it. So therefore, you should use this aisle. It's three inches wider. No, no, the center aisle. It's the center. And because Jesus is the center, theologically, you must walk down this aisle as the center. You must not be on the left or the right, but only down the center. And, and we divide over all this crazy stuff. Well, I, you know, I, I'm not you, so, you know, I'm no good. And, and then another way we get it wrong is when we have a ministry, we want everybody to do our ministry. 
As a pastor, I get this all the time. Pastor, you know, uh, you know, I try to support everything that's going on here. I really do. But pastor, you should be, you know, I can't do everything. Or that somebody makes the, the idea that, well, I'm doing this ministry, therefore, this is the most important ministry. All should do that. That's like the eye saying, seeing is everything. You hearing, stop working on hearing and come over here and start seeing like I see the beauty and creation of God. I'm serious. We do all this stuff. But think about the body. I want to hear. And I want to see. And I want to touch. And I want to walk. And I want to move. And it takes every one of our giftings to work together to to do the will of the mind, the, the mind of Christ. You were saved to serve and you were shaped to love someone, somewhere in the church gathered and as the church scattered. Guys, don't make it complicated. Don't let Satan distract you with stupid stuff. Can I say stupid stuff in the church? The issue is Jesus. It's the mission. So how do I know what to do? Well, here's how. I'm I'm coming into the body, a local body of Christ. How do I thrive? How do I not be a spectator? How do I, if I'm an introvert, how do I not just sit here for two years and then move on? How do I thrive in this, this, this church? Well, begin with the beginning that you never leave. Abide in Jesus Christ. John 15, 4 says this, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So your deepest found place in this world is in the presence of your Savior, the one who found you drowning and loved you up and called you up. And it's in his arm every sunrise that you will live your life. Nobody else can can do what that will do for you. Nobody else. And you can be mad and expect a lot of people to do it. Only Jesus can be your Savior. Secondly, take the initiative. Show faith that requires courage to get involved and build relationships. Love one another, Jesus said. A new commandment I give you, love one another. Don't judge, don't minimize, don't evaluate. Just love. Be my love. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, the whole world's going to know that everything I said is true because you love one another. What if we could learn to love everyone with an extraordinary love that they could not find an angle in? Third, accept who you are in the smile of God. Stop fighting it. Stop thinking you're nothing. Stop, stop evaluating yourself. Just start believing God made me exactly as he wanted me to be. And that's worth celebrating. God does. He smiles. You're here. Again, no ugly babies, right? You are not his ugly child. <laughs> you are his art. You are his masterpiece. He delights in you. He loves the way you, you are. You look. He loves what he put inside of you. And as you follow Jesus, he will pour himself out beautifully and uniquely through your life in ways that no one else will. But you got to take a step. And you got to find your place. If you sit back in a church community and just wait for other people to make the move, you're going to miss it. 
Step up. All the time you're hearing opportunities to, to, to do things and to be in part. It's not we're trying to keep you busy. We're, we're, we're trying to help you understand, hey, hey, you know, is seeing really important to you? You may be an I. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you really want to get in touch um, with, with, with well, may, maybe your hand? And it's all about an invitation. Live looking for the least and be Christ to them. It's, it's, it's not easy. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's easy to understand. It, it's hard to do. But that's a whole new way of living. Live looking for the least. Well, what ministry should I, I do? Well, look for the least around you. Because the crazy thing is that's where you're going to find Jesus. Matthew 25, 40. Truly I tell you, whatever you do for one of the least of these, you did for me. So you want to be in Jesus' presence? Look for the least. You say, Pastor Drew, I, I don't know what my problem is. I don't know what my gift is. I don't know how to serve. Well, well again, take the body analogy. What, what, what problems inspire you? What motivates you? What, what things help you you know, desire uh, to, 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 to work for Jesus? Well, you know, if you're a closed eye, then seeing is really going to be important to you. If, if, if you're, you know, a leg, then, then, then the desire to move is going to be really important to you. Well, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if your desire, again, is, is I want to I hear and I want other people to, to hear the songs of God, the, the beauty of, of, of God's creation. I want them to hear the rustle of the wind. I want, well, then maybe you're an ear. Look around you at the broken. What did God put inside of you and what do you move towards? That's that's your gifting. Lastly, crucify your ego and everything that makes anything or anyone the issue. I care deeply if you've been hurt in the past. I don't care that you've been hurt in the past. Jesus got it covered. It's not an excuse. I don't care um, if someone did something to you or said something to you that was, you know, Satan trying to keep you from being the hope of the world, but you are the church, and you are the hope of the world, and, and you're the answer to the broken, and God has no plan B, and if you and I won't do it and be it with all of what we consider to be our weakness and everything else, then, then it won't get done. You are the body of Christ, God's beautifully loved daughter, his well-loved son, in whom he's put great things and, and infinite power. All of his divine nature has been put inside of you. And, and he wants to unleash that on the world when you start believing. Believing. And not thinking small thoughts about church or compartmentalizing church as something that's, again, a Sunday tip for God. No, I'm a part of a grander salvation story that the world desperately needs to hear. And that's my frontline purpose. It's the biggest mission of my life. I don't care what else I do. I do that for this. Amen? That's my purpose. We're going to talk about your invited Sunday in a few weeks. And, and we're, we're, we're doing that so that we can, we can reveal the love of the Father. But if you don't believe in your church enough to invite people, if you are embarrassed by your church or by your faith, uh, if you're not excited about the mission of the message, then you're not going to invite anybody. And that's as simple as that. It's like, what's our attitude? Let's, let's think this through. 
And guys, I'm trying to call you this Sunday to simply be who God made you to be. If you're frustrated, this is why. If you're headed in the wrong direction, this is why. You will never know your place on the planet until you know your place in the body. You are the beautiful, amazing, sacrificial, inspiring, powerful, unstoppable body of Christ. Will you accept who you are? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that in these moments that you would help us to do exactly that. That, that, that we would choose to, to be saved and have a Savior and that we would choose to be who we are in your upward call. Father, in these moments and in the days and years and decades to come, hear our yes to be Christ the church in a broken world. And all God's people say, let's stand together. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, Live Jesus and believe big.